Lord, we praise you that you are good, and that you are gracious, and that you are merciful. Lord, I pray that as we examine your word tonight, that I would speak clearly and accurately. And Holy Spirit, please move in our hearts so that we will hear and apply the truth found in your word. Amen. What springs to mind when you hear the words mercy and merciful? Perhaps you think of something idealistic, like a 50s-era TV show where all conflict is resolved at the end of a 30-minute episode. Or you might remember a time you had a sharp disagreement with a close friend. But after a time, you were both able to confess your faults. The friendship was restored and grew stronger than ever. Or perhaps like me, you consider darker outcomes. What happens when people refuse to forgive, when the offense is too deep? For me, the question, at what price mercy sprang to mind? The question comes from the movie To End All Wars. The setting is a World War II Japanese prisoner of war camp told from the perspective of a captured Scottish infantryman. The Allied prisoners suffered from forced hard manual labor, insufficient food to the point of starvation, brutal treatment, torture, and even execution. In short, the Geneva Convention was completely ignored. The prisoners were treated like animals and began to act like animals. But a handful of prisoners acted with grace and mercy in the midst of suffering. Their example made small but meaningful improvements to the prison camp. Others responded in anger and steadfastly refused to offer or receive mercy. The men of RGC watched this movie a few years ago at a Men's 416 event. After the movie, we grappled with the extent of evil in this fallen world and the call to mercy and the cost of mercy and our yearning for justice. Are you a merciful person? I hope so. It's a beautiful quality. Or have you felt a reluctance to forgive, like there was a cost to extending mercy? But do you also know that you are in desperate need of receiving mercy from God? Do you know that your offenses against God are infinitely greater than all the offenses done against you? Do you know that God is extending mercy to you if you will repent and believe? Do you know what it cost God to extend mercy to you? I know this is heavy, but we must feel the weight of guilt in order to appreciate the freedom of mercy. Tonight we will look at Matthew 5-7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So what is the context? This verse was spoken by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In our Sunday evening services, we have already heard what it looks like to be blessed, to be happy, to be bound for the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit realizes that he is utterly exposed and helpless before God's righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. He mourns over his sin and wants to get rid of it. Blessed are the meek. The meek are completely humbled by the reality of their own sin 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They desperately long to be right with God. Each verse shows a slightly different facet of what every Christian looks like. But you can also see a beautiful progression in these verses. Poor, mourning, humble, desperate longing, and now mercy. Have you ever tried to define mercy? We often think of mercy as synonymous with forgiveness, but that's incomplete. Martin Lloyd-Jones helpfully expands the definition. Mercy is especially associated with men in their misery. Mercy looks upon the miserable consequences of sin, so that mercy really means a sense of pity plus a desire to relieve suffering. A sense of pity plus a desire to relieve suffering. Do you see how Martin Lloyd-Jones highlights two things that are frequently missed? First, sin causes suffering. All suffering is a result of sin. Some suffering can be traced back to a recent specific sin, like one child hits another child. The cause of other suffering, like sickness and death, can be more difficult to pinpoint and may be the result of general sin in the world. Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5.12 Second, Lloyd-Jones also states that mercy is more than forgiveness. Mercy can be shown to anyone suffering. For example, the Good Samaritan was merciful to the man who was attacked by robbers and left for dead. It was not the Good Samaritan's place to forgive. After all, the Good Samaritan had not been sinned against. But the Good Samaritan did see the miserable consequences of the sinful robbery and assault. He had a sense of pity plus a desire to relieve suffering. So he performed first aid, provided transportation to an inn, and paid for continuing care. These are acts of mercy for physical pain and suffering. But the spiritual problem of a sinful heart is even more significant. The penalty for rebelling against God's rule is eternal conscious suffering in hell. Therefore, the greatest mercy one human can show to another is to proclaim how the unbeliever can receive God's mercy. And God is merciful. Let's look for examples of mercy throughout the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned, God had mercy. Instead of killing Adam and Eve, he killed an animal and used its skin to cover their guilt. And God promised the seed of the woman, who is Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent. This foreshadowed the ultimate substitute in mercy that we see at the cross. Over and over, we see the pattern of God's chosen people sinning, suffering the consequences, turning to God, and God being merciful in providing deliverance. In the Old Testament, God commands sacrifice for sin so that he can show mercy. Sacrifice points us towards the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect expression of mercy, Jesus on the cross, to defeat the miserable consequences of sin once and for all. Here is something amazing. Mercy in the midst of mercy. 
Jesus, looking on those who hung them on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus prayed for God's mercy for those who were killing him. Later we see Stephen, the first Christian martyr, speaking similar words while he was being stoned. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And guess what? God answered that prayer. Saul was present in giving approval to Stephen's stoning. But God had mercy on Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, and spread the good news of God's mercy throughout the known world. Do you see, proclaiming the gospel is an act of mercy to the unbeliever, in the same way that the Good Samaritan was merciful by bandaging wounds, the evangelist is merciful by pointing to the cure for sin. Mercy is vertical. This verse, mercy is vertical between God and men. But mercy can also be horizontal between two people when they sin against each other. God delights to show mercy. Likewise, God's children are told, be merciful just as your father is merciful. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable about an unforgiving servant. In the story, a king wishes to settle accounts with his servant. One servant owed the king a ridiculously large sum of money, but he begged the king for mercy, and the king forgave the debt. But that same servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a relatively small amount of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe me. Even though the second servant begged for mercy, the first servant refused and put him in prison. When the king heard about this, he was furious. You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And by extension, we could add, the the unmerciful will not receive God's mercy. Both the beatitude and this parable seem to state that God's mercy is dependent on our mercy. That brings up two problematic ideas. Do our good deeds compel God to be merciful to us? That can't be true. Remember the solas or the alone statements of the Reformation. By the way, BJ preached a sermon series through the solas a few years ago, and you can listen to those recordings on our website. Here are three of the solas. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Did you catch it? We can't earn salvation by good deeds, not even acts of mercy. We have nothing to boast about. God gets all the glory. Each Christian is a trophy of God's grace. Tell me, should a trophy boast about winning the race? No. 
The athlete won the race. The athlete did all the work. In the same way, the Christian should point to the champion. Look at what Christ has won. Instead, the Christian should be humble. Jonathan Edwards said, You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. So can a person earn God's mercy by our own acts of mercy? No. That leads us to our second problematic idea. If a Christian is ever unmerciful, then would he, would he lose his salvation like the unmerciful servant? If Christians were expected to maintain their salvation by good deeds, this would be another form of works righteousness. The trophy does not get credit for maintaining the win either, whatever that would mean. God gets all the glory. Besides, it is impossible to be completely perfect in any area of life. We cannot earn our salvation, and we cannot maintain our salvation by our own works. In John 6, 38, and John 10, 26, Jesus states that every person that the Father has given to him will be saved and will continue to the last day, and no one can snatch them out of his hand. Those who are in Christ will persevere all the way to heaven. This doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints, and it deserves its own sermon. But tonight, we're focused on mercy. So if we can't earn or maintain salvation by being merciful, what does our passage mean? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I think we should read this as a spiritual diagnostic. All those who have received God's amazing, lavish, extravagant mercy are changed inside out of gratitude in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Christians naturally reflect Christ's example and extend mercy to others. But if we steadfastly refuse to be merciful over time, we begin to call into question if we were ever in Christ to begin with. That doesn't mean that the Christian will always be completely and instantaneously merciful. If we are mistreated, it may take a while for that sting to die down. But eventually, the Christian heart should move towards a posture of mercy. And if you wake up the next day remembering the mistreatment, guide your heart towards mercy again. I am not saying that you should stay in an abusive relationship, and I'm not saying that there should be no consequences for sin. Of course there should. And the best consequence may be that your country has to fight in a just war, or an adult goes to prison, or a child may need the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning. But always be aware of your own heart and your own tendency to sin. Are you allowing yourself to dwell on vindictive thoughts? Are you hoping that the person who hurt you will suffer? This is sin. Your heart should always move toward mercy and a desire for reconciliation. So how do I apply this in my own life? I find mercy challenging. I find that my first instinct is often towards justice. Five years ago, my company went through a reorganization that resulted in my demotion and a pay cut in spite of my excellent performance. 
I was surprised how easily my mind would gravitate towards vindictive thoughts. More recently, there have been terrorists attack around the world. Again, my first instinct was towards punishment of the perpetrators. Like Jonah, I wanted the terrorists to be destroyed. But wouldn't it be better to pray that they experienced a road to Damascus moment where God transformed the terrorist Saul into the apostle Paul? Even disciplining my kids can be challenging. Is my motivation to teach my kids that they have sin in their hearts and to point them to the cross where they can receive God's mercy? Christians, how can you apply this message? Do you hold on to anger because of a sin committed against you? Were you married to an unfaithful partner? Have you been divorced by your spouse? Have you been slandered, having lies told about you? Perhaps your loved one was killed by a drunk driver. Sin is ugly and messy and must never be minimized. And every sin committed against another person is also a sin against God. Remember when King David sinned with Bathsheba. When David confessed, he prayed to God, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David had sinned greatly against lots of people. He committed adultery with his friend's wife. He contrived to have his friend killed in battle and made his army complicit in the murder. David knew all this, yet he rightly understood that sin against an infinitely holy God had infinitely more significance. And how does God respond when sinned against? God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that God can be merciful on all who believe. Dear believer, consider God's extravagant mercy on you. I plead with you to follow Christ's example. Be merciful. If you know that you ought to move towards mercy but find that you are stuck, I'd recommend calling a mature Christian. Brad, BJ, the Ebers, Larsons have all helped me over the years. God gave us the local church to help us along the path of sanctification, as Brad preached in a recent sermon. Exposing and removing sin and being transformed to be more like Jesus. Can this be uncomfortable? Yes. Will this be humbling? Yes. But is it good? Oh, yes. Martin Luther said that the Christian life is one of continual repentance. It is normal to find sin in your life, and it is essential that you repent quickly. If you are a believer and the Holy Spirit is showing you that you have been unmerciful, please don't blame shift or justify yourself. Admit your sin and continue in the good process of sanctification. In closing, I want to revisit the movie To End All Wars. The title implies that human conflict can be ended by mercy and forgiveness. But this is only partially true. For reconciliation, one person must offer mercy, and the other must accept mercy. 
But what if mercy is rejected and hostility continues? In the movie, the prisoner situation was improved by mercy, but they were still prisoners. Ultimately, they were only set free when the Allied troops arrived and defeated the Axis forces. In the same way, Jesus will return and completely defeat all his enemies. Dear unbeliever, have you ever wondered if you will receive God's mercy or his justice? Have you been humbled by your sin and cast yourself on his offered mercy? If not, you are still in rebellion against God. You are his enemy, and you will suffer the justice you deserve. I don't say this from a position of superiority. I plead with you as a sinner who has received mercy. Humble yourself. Repent. Accept God's mercy available through Jesus' death and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, we are amazed by your mercy. Holy Spirit, please work in us. Help us to grow into mature Christians who are freely merciful, just as we have freely received mercy. Amen.